Coming up on Stu Does America, we continue our depressing journey into the timeline of New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's failed coronavirus response. I was going to talk today's SpaceX flight with Chad Prather, but since they scrubbed it, I imagine we'll spend some time swearing at each other instead. Andrew Holden of The Resurgent joins us on deck of the U.S. News Media Titanic to play her down. Gentlemen, it's been an honor. Let's play a game. Go to YouTube right now and type my name, Stu. What's the top result? It's not the kid with the Roller Coaster Tycoon channel anymore. It's me and this stupid show. Be sure to subscribe and click the bell for notifications for all of our content. And since you're just throwing subscriptions around, I mean, head to your uh, favorite pl podcast platform and link up with us there. We're almost as good in your ears as we are on your eyes, which sounds really disgusting. And for an ex incredible amount of conservative content at a low price, head to blazetv.com slash stew to become a member of our family. Just uh, use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and we'll take an extra $10 off as well. Okay, another episode of Stew Does America. Let's do this. Guaranteed to be almost as exciting as today's rocket launch. Stew Does America. We've done so many shows now highlighting the horrible job Andrew Cuomo has done with his response to this pandemic. Shows with catchy titles such as Stu Does Andrew Cuomo, Stu Does the Cuomo Catastrophe, Stu Does Cuomo's Clueless, Clueless, man, you know, I'm not going to be able to get through all these. Stu Does Cuomo's Clueless, Cluelessness, that's a tough word. Stu Does the Cuomo Teen, which is not a word, but I could say it a lot better. And of course, Stu does the worst governors, which was not technically named after Andrew Cuomo, but was impossible to do without him. But even with all of our Cuomo related material, we still missed so, so much. And for everything we missed, the media missed a thousand times more. So we decided to do a timeline of Andrew Cuomo's failures. We thought it would take up a monologue and then we'd move on with our lives. But instead of getting us up to date, we were only able to get through half of March the first time. So today we pick up the story in mid-March. To put you back in the moment, we joined this catastrophe five days after the NBA canceled its season and schools in New York had just been closed. New York had 950 cases of COVID-19 and seven deaths. On this day, Donald Trump announced his 15 days to slow the spread and Andrew Cuomo went on Good Morning America and CNN's New Day and Morning Joe and the Today Show, much of this time was on the air, spent complaining about the federal government response and telling people they were still overreacting. I'm trying to say, look at the facts, because the fear is a bigger problem than the virus right now. Uh, my way of keeping people calm is not telling them placebos. I tell them the facts. I oh. tell them the truth. Yeah. I tell them what we're doing. Uh -huh. I say we have the capacity to do it. And I go through the numbers and the facts and I say it's going to be OK. Now, Andrew Cuomo is toward the end of his don't worry, no big deal phase. And he's starting to transition to the it's really Trump's fault phase. But there's one thing he's sure about. There is no way he is going to close down New York. Our first question has to do with this notion of a lockdown. First of all, I'm sure you're aware there's tons of rumors mm -hmm. around New York City that the city could be locked down. But we've seen what's happened in places like Italy. It's something like that. In, in other words, a mandatory uh, closures. Is, do you see that as something that might happen in the future? 
Yeah, the, uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of rumors, a lot of panic, a lot of fear, frankly, not justified by the facts, that it, but it's there. Uh, in the case of New York, uh, no city in the state can close down without the state government's approval, and no, no city in the state will do that. So there you go. Doesn't he seem trustworthy worthy as he kind of tells you the opposite of what actually winds up happening? That's one of Andy's strengths. Sound confident while pulling things completely out of your backside. Now, as part of Trump's 15 days to slow the spread, gatherings were limited to groups of 10. But after spending all day on television complaining about the slowness of the federal response, Cuomo continued to show that he was the one who's a little slow. He lagged behind Trump when limiting large crowds. And even when he did wind up limiting them, he wasn't limiting to 10 like the president. We all agree that there will be no crowds with gatherings of over 50 people. So if you can't do a party in New York City, you can't do a party in New Jersey, you can't do a party uh, in Connecticut over 50. Ah, there you go. Now, after limiting crowds to five times the national guidelines, Cuomo was called out by Bill de Blasio, who encouraged Cuomo to issue a stay-at-home order on March 17th. There are now 12 deaths and in New York and 1,374 known cases. Cuomo publicly rebukes de Blasio, saying that he didn't think shelter in place really works. On March 18th, 2,382 cases and 16 deaths, Cuomo receives another plum media spot on New York Times' The Daily podcast, routinely right around the number one podcast in America. Again, he's asked about whether New York is going to have a stay-at-home order. Is there more coming, Governor? What kind of measures should your constituents, should all New Yorkers, and maybe even people beyond New York, be getting ready to take on? As we walked into this room, we got word, for example, that it looks like New York is going to essentially order a shelter-in-place condition, which means basically you can't leave your house. What more is coming? Yes. Uh, That is not going to happen, shelter-in-place for New York City or any city or county to take an emergency action, the state has to approve it. And I wouldn't approve shelter in place. That scares people, right? Quarantine in place, you can't leave your home. The fear, the panic is a bigger problem than the virus. It is. Yes. And I shut that down immediately. Hmm. I'm not breaking news to you here when I tell you that a stay-at-home order did happen. But notice the confidence as he's telling the New York Times something that winds up to be completely wrong. It's the same confidence he would show telling you where his brother works. Speaking of CNN, as the interview with uh, The Daily ends, their executive producer Lisa Tobin points out to the governor that CNN is actually reporting in that moment that a shutdown is going to happen. We're going to walk in this office and keep our space. Uh, Can I just ask a quick question? If it says New York City tells 8 million people to be prepared to shelter in place, that's, that is not going to happen? No. But it's playing on the you television right now. Yeah, I know. I know. So what are you going to do? I don't know anyone at CNN. Yeah, but see how scary that is? Brother, yes. brother is an anchor on CNN. That was a joke. Bada boom, bada boom. Bada boom. I normally hold up a little sign that says, joke coming. As <laughs> <laughs> an Andrew, a funny guy. It's glad to see that a joke of a governor is still making jokes. 
Now we're up to March 19th, 4,152 cases, 38 deaths. The real focus of the Cuomo administration, his furious media schedule, resumes. He's back on the Today Show again, denying that a shelter-in-place order is on the way. Are we reducing density? Yes. Do we want people to stay home? Yes. Uh, are we going to do quarantine? Are people imprisoned in their homes? No. Mm, now, this is when Cuomo tries to blur the line from his previous all-out denials. Are people imprisoned in their homes? No. Well, of course, no one was suggesting they would be imprisoned in their homes. It's a sort of evasive nonsense that requires a media that actually wants to push back, not nurture Cuomo's national profile. Andy then went back to his brother's network to illustrate a growing theme that he needs lots and lots of ventilators. We now have about five, six thousand ventilators in New York State. We're going to need about thirty thousand ventilators. And how because fast these can those come be in built? Have I, mean, I, I, hear your... I mean, that's a lot of ventilators right there. Thirty thousand. This became constant in the Cuomo response. It's another era of his uh, throw every response against the wall and see what sticks strategy. He's always beating up feds for lack of ventilators. More on that coming up. Uh, the blame the feds era is now really ramping up, but it still shares a decent amount of crossover with the earlier it's no big deal era. Uh, amazingly, the entire country is basically in shutdown and he's still trotting out the fear is worse than the virus shtick. As this has gone on, uh, we said we are fighting a war on two fronts. We're fighting the virus and we're fighting fear. And they are two totally different situations that you have to deal with. Uh, in many ways, the fear is more dangerous than the virus. Now, is that true in Wyoming? Yeah, sure, absolutely. In New York City, in New York State, not so much. It's important to understand how much of his time is spent criticizing the federal government for being behind but it's quite clearly Cuomo, who is way behind the federal government. We're now 20% through the 15 days to stop the spread, and Cuomo still has half of the workers in his state going to work. He updates that on the 19th, requiring 75% of workers to stay home. And here we are on March 19th, and he's still coming up with new ways to tell New Yorkers that there would be no shutdown. This time he's berating some unnamed supposed friend who says he heard a shutdown was coming. He said, you know, where did you hear that? Well, that's what they say. That's what I'm hearing. They're saying. Uh, and I was saying, you know, look, I would know, right? Because I would have to authorize those actions legally. It's not going to happen. Well, I hear it is going to happen. I said, but I know, but... I would have to do it. And I'm telling you, I'm not doing it. Mm. It must have taken me 25 minutes just to slow him down to hear the information. That's an amazing clip. Notice how demeaning Cuomo is. This guy's an idiot. He's a panicked moron who doesn't understand how all this works. He has to take 25 minutes out of his day, which could have been spent on CNN, calming his friend down from this unwarranted panic. It's March 19th, and there is only one person who can issue a stay-at-home order in New York, Andrew Cuomo. March 20th, Andrew Cuomo issues a stay-at-home order for New York. Uh, so we're going to put out an executive order today. 
New York State on pause, two basic rules. Uh, only essential businesses will be functioning. People can work at home, God bless you, but only essential businesses can have workers commuting uh, to the job or on the job. Second rule, remain indoors to the greatest extent to protect physical and mental health. Remember, this is March 20th, four days after Trump's announcement of his national version of this. And after three days of nonstop denials all over the media, this is one of the biggest decisions he had to make throughout the crisis. He did it late in an incompetent fashion and all while misleading the people of his state the entire time. And while he blew it with this decision, he was also previewing a decision that would turn out even worse. Who are we worried about? Seniors, compromised immune system, people with underlying illnesses. Where are the places we're really worried about? Nursing homes, senior congregate facilities. A strange way of showing it there, Andy. Cuomo was talking about Matilda's Law, which he named after his mom, which was aimed to protect people in nursing homes. His later decisions would ravage these homes, but don't let him tell you. He wasn't aware of the problems beforehand. He knew exactly who was at risk. March 20th also marks the appearance of the next era in the Cuomo saga. He's now fully realized how far up a creek he really is. So he utilizes his fake tough guy skills to appear as if he's been all over this the entire time. Plus, he previews the type of response you'd see from blue state governors across America. These provisions will be enforced. These are not helpful hints. Uh, this is not uh, if you really want to be a great citizen. Uh, these are legal provisions. They will be enforced. There will be a civil fine and mandatory closure for any business that is not in compliance. Again, your actions can affect my health. That's where we are. Uh, so there is a, a social compact that we have. Government makes sure society is safe for everyone. Is it? Is, is that government's role? Is it the government's role to make sure society is safe for everyone? I'll have to look back at the founding documents for that one. I don't, I don't remember it. A few days later, on March 24th, Cuomo continued his anger against Washington insisting he did not have enough ventilators. FEMA is sending us 400 ventilators. These are on the news this morning. We are sending 400 ventilators to New York. 400 ventilators? I need 30,000 ventilators. You want a pat on the back for sending 400 ventilators? What are we gonna do for 400, with 400 ventilators when we need 30,000 ventilators? You're missing the magnitude of the problem, and the problem is defined by the magnitude. Hmm. It'll be the next episode before we can really start learning about the demands Cuomo was making on the system and how connected to reality they really were. And at this point, Cuomo himself is already admitting he screwed this whole thing up. This faux self-reflection thing he does is one of his most irritating qualities. Our public health strategy was a blunt instrument. What we said at a moment of crisis is isolate everyone. 
close the schools, close the colleges, send everyone home, isolate everybody in their home. In truth, that was not the most refined public strategy. Hmm. Why? Because it wasn't even uh, smart, frankly, to isolate younger people with older people. But at that moment, we didn't have the knowledge, we needed to act, that's what we did. You can now start to refine that public health strategy. You can start to say, look, the lower risk individuals do not need to be quarantined. And they shouldn't be quarantined with an older person who they may be transferring it to. Because it wasn't even smart, might be the headline of his obituary in 30 years. Notice how careful Governor Andy is telling us he's going to be with the elderly and vulnerable. It's an ironic statement, especially considering it occurred one day before he guaranteed the demise of thousands of nursing home residents. But in the middle of all of this death and destruction, luckily, there was still time to visit his brother Chris for a few hearty laughs. Don't worry, there's still time. There's hope for you. One day you can grow up to be like me. I've tried to be like you my whole life. Look where it got me. (laughs) Oh, they're just a joy, aren't they? Again, I started today thinking I'd make it through at least March. But here we are at the end of the monologue, and we still have another week to go in March. I mean, we might be still doing this timeline when Andrew Cuomo's great-granddaughter has gone into the family business and taken her rightful seat as the Cuomo currently screwing up New York. You're good enough, you're smart enough, and doggone it, you deserve the best coffee beans from around the world delivered right to your door. It's true. You can cut corners on all sorts of things in your life. You know, I don't know, health and wellness and, you know, saving for the future, whatever that is. Don't cut corners on coffee. It's insanity. Now is not the time to settle for some crappy grocery store brand. You don't need that. You need Black Rifle Coffee. It was built for a time just like this, when they were you know, been shipping their coffee to people back in the day, way before COVID-19, way before the Wuhan wet market, way, way back. Veteran-owned and operated premium small batch roast-to-order coffee company, Black Rifle Coffee, is the best. They import only the highest quality beans from around the world. And it's always fresh. Why? Well, they always roast their coffees to order. So you're going to get the freshest coffee. It's also a great gift for Father's Day, which is coming up. Sign your dad up for Black Rifle Coffee Club. You choose the amount and the blends that you want. They have uh, grounds, the whole beans, uh, those little round things you have for the machine. Uh, You'll get a discount on the price, and they ship directly to your home or your office or your dad completely free. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash stew is the place to go. Make sure to use the discount code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show, and you'll get 20% off your first order of any coffee product. It's BlackRifleCoffee.com slash stew. As a patriotic American, you probably often find yourself chanting, we're number one, we're number one, over and over again because we're just so awesome. Occasionally, you don't want to be number one. And uh, that's kind of been the situation for a little while here with the coronavirus situation. Uh, Now, look, we have much lower per capita death rates. I think, you know, we've been we've handled this in some ways relatively well when it comes to keeping the uh, death rate down. But of course, we're a large country. There's been a lot of people. uh, And so they kind of calculate this a bunch of different ways. One of the ways they they come out is just daily 
uh, amount of people who have died from uh, COVID-19. We've been number one for a while. I think, it, I think we took the title from Spain back in the day, had it for a while here, and we were happy to give it up at least for one day to Brazil yesterday. Brazil is in the middle of it, man. They are, they are like we are, our early April is like where they are now, maybe a mid-April. Uh, they are sweeping up. Uh, deaths are increasing by the week. Um, they are not doing a lot of the things that, that we wound up doing. Um, so their rate is very high. Uh, but it is a, it's an interesting story. They had six, uh, they had, excuse me, 1,039 people uh, die yesterday, reported di- deaths yesterday. And the U.S. was at only uh, 592. Um, they are increasing now from about 935 deaths a day to about 1,200 per day. Uh, and they are expected now to be close to 100,000 by the end of this. We'll see how that goes. Um, also, you're seeing the, the sort of data that goes on with the movement is, again, people are going back to work either way. Uh, we've talked about that a million times. I did have a question, though. I thought to myself today, self, well, a lot of talk about Venezuela. I heard a lot about it, the U.S. and Europe and a lot of different places around the world. What is going on in Venezuela? I haven't heard word one about Venezuela. Here's a country that's basically in collapse. Are they handling this somehow? What is going on? Uh, the answer to that is uh, not not so not they're, No, they're not really handling it. Now, their numbers say that they've only had 10 people die and uh, oh, just over a thousand cases in a country of 30 million people. If you think that might not be true, seems like you're right. Uh, Johns Hopkins has released a report um, saying the number instead of being 10 people dead, there's a slight change to that. It could be uh, at least 30,000. So a minor discrepancy, if you can tell, I don't know if you're a numbers guy. But 30,000, a lot more than 10. Uh, they also are saying, uh, this is a quote from uh, one of the guys involved in the study, uh, the true number could be close to 30,000. Um, the idea of so few cases and deaths, quote, in a country where doctors don't have water to even wash their hands and the health system is totally collapsing, strains credibility. They go on to say that doctors are washing their hands with water coming out of the bottom of air conditioners. So that sounds like a good good system. Let's try the socialism thing here. Should we AOC? It sounds like it's working out. We should also point out Joe Biden did come out. He was able to come not out of the closet, came out of the house with a mask on. I think this is a great idea for the Democrats. Keep this guy masked. If he's masked, he can't really talk. And if he starts screwing things up, he could just start going. I think that's an approach that could last the entire campaign. This is probably the ultimate goal for the Democrats. If you mask him, I think they should start saying, you know what? Unfortunately, we've just learned you can get COVID-19 through the eyes, through the ears. He's just going to have to wear a head wrap. And then you have someone else just walk around as Biden the whole time. Then you get a really good chance of winning. We'll follow this closely and see if they go with the full the full head wrap uh, situation. Uh, we'll keep you updated on that. If, if it occurs, we'll have it here for you. Back in a second. If you're like me, you've gone through this COVID-19 situation and maybe put on a few pounds. I don't I'm sure you haven't noticed. I mean, just that it's like, this is why it's a good thing to listen to the podcast of the show and not watch it because then you can't tell how fat I am on any given day. Here's the thing. Uh, a lot of people gain weight over the quarantine situation. The ni- quarantine 19 is a thing. Fast blast is also a thing. It's a solution to this problem. Uh, intermittent fasting is something that uh, I've been doing on and off here for a while. I really like it. 
Some people would say, oh, it's too hard. It's really not. You, you get going on it, and it's, it's actually very easy. Um, Fast Blast has made it even easier than when I was trying to attempt it back in the day uh, because they, first of all, has the Fast Blast, Fast Blast smoothie, which is delicious, um, and you can eat those, and it makes the, the day that you're fasting a lot uh, better. Um, but they do it, so basically you have like two days a week where you're fasting um, for a good, good chunk of the day. Uh, you drop weight really fast on those days. The rest of the days you have periods where you can eat. So maybe it's like eight hours of the day. So maybe you eat uh, from noon to eight. Uh, they'll, they'll design the whole thing for you. But you can eat kind of what you want to eat. Uh, so you're going to cut down the, the amount that you're taking in, uh, but you're still going to enjoy the food that you like. And honestly, it just becomes really easy once you understand how it works. Make sure it's right for you. Make sure you uh, do your own homework on this. Uh, and you can learn more, though, about fast, uh, fasting at fastblast.com slash blaze. As always, use the slash blaze part because that's important. That's how they know you like this stupid show. But you can get started with Fast Blast today for a healthier, happier, and smaller you. The, sh- the smoothies make it so easy. Fastblast.com slash blaze. Let me tell you about a couple things you need to know about. Number one. Sports are finally coming back. We had the golf thing this past weekend. Uh, NHL has now outlined a plan to come back. Hockey on its way back. They're going to expand the playoffs from 16 to 24 teams and kind of start with a, a playoff format. Uh, looks like it's going to begin in the beginning of July in two cities. It's all been approved. You know, you never know with the health thing what's going to happen here, but that is on the road to actually happening. I'm not a huge hockey guy, but I'll take anything when it comes to sports at this point. So I'm excited to see that coming back, and I'm glad they have a plan. Another thing which is crazy, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is a series on FX. Been around for a while. It's a show that I, that I love and have watched for a long time. About to, uh, just got signed up for, though, for its 15th season. Now, that uh, is a lot of years, probably more than most people realize this show had been on. It's still good, too. I mean, it's just, which is amazing. It's hard to, hard to do for that long of a period of time. But it's actually harder, harder than you think. All of a sudden, Philadelphia has tied uh, The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet as the longest-running live-action comedy series of all time uh, and will pass it with its 15th season. Um, You know, I guess there's some uh, non-comedies that have beat that record, but that's about it. Uh, And and a story that probably will be featured in an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. The CDC is warning of aggressive cannibal rats facing a shortage of garbage to eat. So we used to go out to restaurants. There'd be all sorts of garbage. Rats would come and eat it. Not something you want to think of, but it was happening. Now there's no, uh, there's no, that waste isn't around there anymore. Who knows what the rats are going to do? Well, it looks like they're eating each other, which to me seems like the best possible outcome. I, I don't know why we're worried about this. Let the rats eat each other. Then hopefully they all go away. And then when we go back to restaurants, they won't be around to eat our garbage anymore. Just an idea. The CDC can take that. You guys have done a great job with every aspect of this crisis so far. Here's just another easy step. Back in a second. Ah, if you remember when you were a kid, the SAT and the ACT, oh man, I thought of a kind of inconvenient, annoying test, but students had to take them, had to give up a Saturday, take a few times as a junior and a senior. The reality, though, is that, you know, the SAT and the ACT are the two most powerful forces driving the curriculum in the United States today. I mean, obviously, schools teach to that test. Uh, There's no question that the college board who owns the SAT is, uh, they lean a a little left, maybe a little further left than you. Uh, Just last year, the uh, College Board actually had Bernie Sanders op-eds in the SAT. Come on. The good news is there is uh, a different choice you can take. Uh, And uh, they're taking on the SAT. They're taking on the ACT. It's the classic learning test. It's called the CLT. Remember that name, CLT. Uh, It's been around for just four years, uh, and it's already been adopted by over 200 colleges. The final CLT of the year is June 20th. Uh, It's rapidly approaching. 
With the SAT and the ACT canceled, the demand for the CLT has been incredibly high. Uh, seats for the June 20th CLT are limited. They have, uh, I know, less than 8,000. That's an old number, though, so it's getting smaller than that. Make sure you get in line. Don't let your kid be tortured by Bernie Sanders op-eds. It's not what they need. Uh, register for the June 20th official college entrance exam. Visit cltexam.com. Cltexam. Com. Make sure you get in line for this important and better test. Better tests, better students. CLTExam.com. Register now. This weekend, 2020, it took a nice hard look in the mirror and said, is just a pandemic enough? You know? And just like that, hundreds of people are protesting in Minneapolis following the death of George Floyd. Why not make life more complicated for everyone? Blaze TV's own Chad Prather joins us. Chad, can this get more screwed up? I mean, I I don't even know what to say about this thing. It seems to be one of these situations where there's not really even a debate. This is just a horrible, horrible thing. It's a horrible year. It's a horrible, uh, there's so many things that are going on. This thing with George Floyd is terrible. There's no, absolutely no justifying that situation. Let's stop there for a second, because whenever a situation like this happens, we all want them to never happen. But occasionally something like this does happen. And there usually is a debate of some sort. There's always somebody saying, well, you need to understand, you know, the police officer's side. This one, I'm not even hearing it. I, I, don't, I can't even come up with a justification for, for, for this. I mean, if it I, happened instantly, it'd be one thing. It, yeah. You're talking about 10 minutes of this nonsense. It's hard to understand. I've seen videos out there where I've said, okay, this looks like an overreaction, but I don't know what the altercation was five minutes before mm-hmm. the video started, right? Because mm-hmm. obviously something compelled somebody to pull a cell phone out, get it on their camera, start filming yeah. it. There was something there that they said, hey, I need to film this. This situation, you got your you got your knee on a guy's neck and with two other cops holding him down while he's handcuffed and unarmed. I don't care what he did. I don't care what yeah. he did. You know, you're doing something like that. This guy's begging to breathe. His chest hurts. You know, he's, he's calling out for his mother for crying out loud. I mean, this is the most... I mean, it's just a horrible thing. I don't like to watch it. I don't like to see it. Normally, I don't like to see those things at all. I won't watch them, but you have to because that's the business we're in. Mm-hmm. And then it took me about it took me about ten hours to even comment on this thing because I was tried to look at it from every angle. I don't want this thing to be about race. It's not about race. Eric July, you know, he was talking about it earlier with me. He said. We try to spin this thing so that the only way that that blacks and whites can react with one another is with violence. And that's not the case in America. Ninety nine point nine percent of cops are good. Mm -hmm. Some guys let the authority go to their head. There are so many things that I could analyze about that video that I just don't like. They just don't look good in that thing. But there's no way to spin it to say there was justifiable. No, no, there really isn't. I mean, we have, you know, great guys from the military in here all the time. I know you have them on your show all the time. These are guys who are dealing with ISIS, Mm -hmm. dealing with Al Qaeda, dealing with people who have murdered American citizens all over the place. And we don't expect that behavior. We don't allow that behavior out of those guys. They're our American heroes. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you get to, you know, when you're out of a battle situation and you have someone subdued, we don't accept that for literally anyone on Earth. It's not an acceptable behavior. Uh, I'm surprised, uh, you know, to to see it happen, especially in a situation where they all know they're on camera. They're all looking around, oh, seeing these people filming them. I, what the hell were they thinking? I started looking at the physical nuances of this thing. So, for instance, this cop who's on him, which Eric July met again. I, I pull Eric back into this conversation. He didn't ask for, but 
you know, he points out the Asian features on this cop. So he said he wasn't white at all. And I'm like, I don't know yet, but that's an interesting twist. But I start looking at the physical nuances. For instance, here's a guy who was physically very large, this George Floyd. They called him Giant George. That was his nickname. And then you see this guy with his hand in his pocket, knee on his neck. He's got little skinny arms. This is almost like one of those old drama TV cop series where this guy has a vendetta against somebody and he's just going to just really grind it in with his authority to use, which raised a lot of philosophical questions for me today as I was thinking about this thing. It starts some questions and some conversations that I don't know that a lot of people want to have. And I asked myself this morning, if I had been carrying a gun in that situation there in Minneapolis concealed, and I saw this and I watched the entire thing unfold, I didn't just happen up on it. Sure. Would I pull that gun on that cop and say, wow. get off of this guy? Because this is, the, this is what ty- tyranny looks like. It's what it results in. This is the boot on the neck of an unarmed, in a, uh, I won't say innocent, but a person who can't defend himself in that situation. Now, good chance I would have been shot. Yes. <laughs> that's... Tased at the minimum, mm-hmm. arrested myself. But you have to ask yourself, do you believe in justice to the point that I will stand in the face of tyranny with force? If it had been four guys who were forcing this guy down doing the exact same thing and they were just citizens not wearing a badge, it would be a much easier situation to make that decision. Right, right. I might have pulled my firearm and said, okay, not that I wanted to inflict harm, but just, hey, get off this guy. Yeah. Well, and that's what's so troubling about watching it. There's never a moment in which they say, all right, look, look, I can hear you. I can say, I know you're having problems here. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the pressure off. If you move to scratch yourself, I'm going to come right back. Yeah. This is this. If you move one muscle, there was never even an opportunity for him to just lay there still, which it seemed by all appearances seems like he would have done if given the opportunity. Yeah. But even if he didn't, you know, you, you know, like you have to that then you'd have more of an excuse to go through this. This is just it's seemingly inexcusable. And, and you bring up a situation which is obviously impossible to, to think about. But it's like. There is that there is some line, right? We all know the easiest one is, uh, you know, Adolf Hitler gets elected president and he's doing all of the things that he's doing. Uh, And I know the left thinks he's already president. That's not true. Not the same guy. Um, (laughs) But if that's happening, I think we're all in that mindset of like, we got to end that in any way possible. This is a situation where, I mean, I I don't know what you do. I think you have to you have to make your voice really well heard. But, you know, I think there's a at least for me. I mean, like, I you know, I I believe in the police. I think they're they're right almost all the time. Um, and the fact that this uh, to, to challenge that in a situation where you don't know all the uh, everything that's going on is difficult. I also fall back on, you know, you're talking about the race part and, and, and Eric brings up some really good points there. I think part of what is going on with the race issue here is that we we substitute that when we don't understand. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we look at this and say, what the what could possibly have caused this? Why would this person act this way? Mm-hmm. And the only thing we can kind of come up with was maybe he didn't like black people. Yeah. But it could just be that he's also power hungry or, you know, has, you know, there was some incident that pissed him off and he reacted terribly or who knows what's going on. Yeah. I guess people are just substituting race. We don't have evidence of that yet, do we? That yeah. he, there was a racial motivation. Not at this point. Uh, we'll see what comes out. But again, I don't think there's a justification there. I don't know, man. I, you know, I look at a situation th- th- like this and you think this is one of the weirdest ones 
we've mm. seen. I mean, we've seen enough cop videos. Yeah. We've seen enough stuff. And people talk about white privilege and, oh, y'all don't have to deal with cops like we do. And I'm sure there's a lot of truth to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I promise you, when I get pulled over and I've gotten pulled over, I've been in jail. I've done some (laughs) things over the years. I'm 47 years old. I got a history. Uh, You know, I turn the light on in the cab of the truck. I I keep my hands visible. I'm holding my insurance card, my ID, whatever they want, you know, blood specimen, anything. I got it where they can see me because I respect what they're doing enough. I don't want them to feel like they are potentially walking into a dangerous situation with me. If they're going to arrest me, I'm like, toss me the cuffs, man. I'll put them on myself. I'm not resisting arrest. And I know that there are those who do because there is this abject fear of the police, uh, which is unfortunate. And it's also in many cases, statistically at least, unfounded. Yeah, yeah. and I I, I agree. I mean, look, it's it's not a you should never do that. Of course, if you do it, it shouldn't result in this. Yeah, I think we can agree. You know, I I keep going to that point of, you know, you you look at the situation and you say uh, when we have let's say we have an African-American gentleman who kills a white person, Mm -hmm. we would never say. Let's blame African-Americans for that. Right. That is a terrible instinct and one that is you know, way in the past, thankfully. The same thing should apply for police officers. You know, I, I look at this and I, I know I'm not a lawyer. I don't know all all the ins and outs of it. Mm-hmm. But to me, it looks like he's just murdered this person or at least it's, you know, negligent manslaughter or whatever the heck. It is. It's something. But that does not mean that we jump to this conclusion that there's a huge race problem with police officers and that they should all be suspected constantly of, of, of prejudice that leads to violence. Yeah. It's just not the case statistically. It's not the case with the people that I've met in the, in the force. And, and I, 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 you see the, the media going down that road really easily. So let me remind you, this is Minneapolis, okay? This is Ilan Omar country mm. here. This this is little Somalia in some respects, and I don't know that that has anything to do with any of this stuff, but but Minneapolis is not, you know, the same place it once was. Uh, you know, there's a lot going on in the inner city in Minneapolis, so there is that, but I'll, I'll bring you back to 2017. There's a white woman who calls 911. Black police officer shows up. Something happens. There's confusion. He shoots her in the stomach. She dies. Mm. She called 911. She's a white woman shot by. And this happened in the exact same police department as what happened with this situation with George Floyd. It wouldn't cross my mind to go. This was a race crime. This was a race issue on that. Now, I'm I'm Caucasian. I'm white. I took a 23 and me test. I'm 100 percent white. I like I got <laughs> nothing going on. I wanted to be more than 10 24th Native American. I'm not. I'm 100 percent Eastern European. Uh, I am Viking. I don't want to, you know, and so that's the case. I I'm not touched with the same infirmities as the African-American community. I have spent the better part of 20 years in West Africa where I was the only white guy that I ever saw for months at a time. So I understand what it's like to be a minority, to be picked on because of the minority, being being the different color from everybody. You know, you, a little the ridicule that's there. So I don't try to equate that to the American situation. But to to make this whole thing about and to consistently do this, to say this is all about race, Boy, it backs up the conversation so many mm-hmm. years yeah. and really jacks up what we've tried to instill in generations since 1950s and 1960s America. Um, let me hit you with another couple of quick ones here before. before Uh-oh. You go. Uh, Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. The, the launch was supposed to be today. They scrapped it for weather reasons, right? They're going to try it again on Saturday. Saturday. Uh, I'm fascinated by the Elon Musk thing in that here's a guy 
who is literally building spaceships to escape global warming. He is building spaceships. He's building electric cars. He's building solar panels. This guy should be the hero of everyone on the left and was for years and years and years and years. Then he comes out, takes one stance that sort of aligns with the president. And now they hate him. Yeah. Sort of like Bill Maher. Like Bill Maher for 30 years, he's the comedian that everybody is the left spokesperson. But then he comes out and he says something about this or that. And everybody wants to sell him down the river on that. But that it tends to be the the tendency of the left. It's sort of both sides, really, in that regard. You know, here's Elon Musk. He's an interesting guy. He's the 31 wealthiest, 31st wealthiest guy on the planet. Mm -hmm. Um He's 48 years old. He's he's got a citizenship in South Africa. Of course, he's born in Pretoria. Canadian citizenship, American citizenship. The guy, if you've ever listened to interviews with him, he is a social nightmare. Yes. He's a social <laughs> not a nightmare. Not a great interview. Not a great interview. Uh, he, he's trying to, he's a nerd. I mean, he's the nerd's nerd, right? Mm. I can remember him talking about, I just need a woman in my life because I need to be validated by a woman. I've heard him say these words, <laughs> right? They just had a child. This is a guy who doesn't think like you and I do. He thinks on a whole different level. He's, 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 a, he's a weird dude like Glenn Beck. And, <laughs> and I'm like, here's a guy who watched the Jetsons and said, I can do that. Yeah. He watched Total Recall with Schwarzenegger and he's like, I can do that. And so that's what you've got in this situation. Here's a guy who for the last four years has worried not about the functionality of the spacesuits, but how they're going to look as well. Mm. Yeah, I, I, that's interesting. Even though he's, you know, very famously aligned with, you know, global warming, uh, you know, alarmism at an extreme, I, I still have always liked him because yeah. he kind of does what I think I would do if I was a billionaire. Maybe different topics, but like, you know, he built a flamethrower company for no reason. Right. Like, that's what it's I would do. That's what I would do. It just sounds like it would be fun. Um, one more thing before you go. Uh, Alan West uh, this weekend. Yeah. Motorcycle accident. If you haven't heard this, um, I mean, it looked like it was pretty serious. Do you have any updates? How is he doing? What's going on? Alan's doing good. Alan's going to live. Coronavirus isn't going to kill him yet. In fact, when they were peeling him off the uh, asphalt there in Waco, that was one of the things he told the paramedics. He said, don't tell them this was COVID if I die. (laughs) Uh, We had just been together that Saturday morning. I'd given him a hard time, as I want to do, because Alan's just one of the smartest guys on the planet. And he can, he can take the ribbing, right? And I told him, I was like, don't wreck that motorcycle. And then dadgummit if I didn't get an Instagram message that was very ominous from somebody who said, he's been in an accident. I'm like, Alan's dead. He's oh, dead. Thanks. I was And I was just immediately, you go into that thing of just solace and prayer. Because I was still down in Austin. And I was like, oh, man. I, I texted Lisa Hendrickson, his, his campaign manager. And I was like, please give me any updates. And uh, Alan's doing well. I mean, he is bandaged up. He broke some bones. He took some skin off of his face. He, he's swollen up. He's yeah. banged up. But he's in good spirits. And, and I think what it's proven is that a guy like Alan is so resilient, but he has so many supporters because it's been a huge outpouring for him. So That's he's going to be good. Good to hear. Good to hear. Can't lose Alan West. Uh, Chad Braithert, thanks for uh, hanging out. Uh, make sure to... Check out Chad's show and a bunch of others when you subscribe to Blaze TV. Go to blazetv.com slash stew. Plug in the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Plus, you'll save 10 bucks. Back in a minute. Some reviews from iTunes. Appreciate you sending them in. Uh, awesome show. How great is America when you start your podcast day with Pat Gray and end it with Stuber Gear? Heroes to the right, or whatever. Five freaking stars, which, by the way, 
the appropriate number of stars. Then we have this one, five car- stars to a conservative vegetarian. It's great, whatever. Although I'm wondering what if the whole coronavirus shutdown was masterminded in part by Stu. The show started right around the time of there's a hole in the sky where a tree once stood rally in uh, Seattle, a classic. Then the first COVID-19 case was in the Seattle area. Now environmentalist vegetarians praise the benefits to our clean air during the shutdown. Is this a coincidence? It is not. I was responsible. Uh, thanks. I appreciate you noticing my hard work. 